Okay, people, another episode of Just for Sport, Just for You. Jamo K here on opening day in Major League Baseball. And this is a new podcast. I know it's April Fool's Day, but this is a real new podcast. And I got a few things to get into today. We'll talk NCAA men's basketball tournament. It's the final four, Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, Houston. I'll give my thoughts on all four. But there's even more to talk about in college sports as a whole with the NCAA. An NCAA president, Mark Emmert, and a survey that I read on ESPN from the ADs saying that compensating athletes make it harder and more complex with Title IX. And should players get paid somehow, some way for playing college sports? The Nats and Mets have already been been postponed. The Nats and Mets have already been postponed. What does that mean for the rest of this season? I don't see every team in baseball playing 162 games. But then again, last season, did you really complain when Major League Baseball didn't play all 60 games after they restarted the season again? The Dodgers won the World Series. Nobody really remembers. Not that much. I mean, obviously, financially, it wasn't good for players not getting all of their money and the the teams losing money, Major League Baseball losing money. Across the board, we all lost money, right? You and me lost some money, too. But looking at how this season is going to play out, there is talk of Major League Baseball being the first league to have full stadiums again because they're playing outside, at least some teams are most of them but then we've also seen the rising cases in covid so we'll talk about that too and lastly the nfl says more video review and i am all for that as i mentioned on my last podcast referees are really really unfortunately hurting the game more than they're helping in more ways than one and obviously i don't want referees to go away i am a proponent of more instant replay and quicker instant replay Come on, how many times have you watched a game, the broadcast, the director, producer call for that replay instantly, and sometimes we can get it instantly, maybe two or three times you have to see it. No one is perfect, but the leagues, the referees should be getting calls right. Getting, They should be getting calls right, and I don't know if they're necessarily doing that enough for my liking, especially someone who came from working for a team. If I am working for a team and maybe work for a team again in the future and I've got the playoffs on the line, I cannot afford, the team cannot afford, the owner, even the fans, right? Cannot afford for a missed call to affect whether you make the playoffs or not, whether you win the Super Bowl or not, whether you have a winning season or not. Too much is at stake on calls and we need to cut down on it. But first, let's go back to the NCAA tournament. We cut it down. It's been cut down to four teams. The number one overall favorite. They are 30-0 on the season. The Gonzaga Bulldogs are playing the UCLA Bruins. They are 22-9 on the season. That's the number one overall seed versus one of the four 11 seeds in UCLA. Not only were they a number 11 seed, but they had to play in the play-in game on Thursday. I know that threw you off, right? The play-in game was Thursday. It threw me off. They beat Michigan State to get into the tournament, and then from there, they were off. That game is at 834. Now, for 
me, I saw the odds, and Gonzaga's favorite at minus 14 and a half. They're going to win this game. I don't see that there's any way that UCLA can win this game. And of course, if you're a UCLA fan, you go, oh, we just beat Michigan. In my mind, Michigan played their worst game at the worst time of the season. Now, UCLA is 14-0 against the spread. Gonzaga is, excuse me, 17-14-0 against the spread. It is a tough thing what I saw happen to Michigan. And so I had to come to grips with, okay, wait, what am I thinking? Am I thinking UCLA won the game or Michigan lost the game? And I said that UCLA would cover the spread. I did say that. But in my mind, I say Michigan lost the game for a few reasons. The biggest reason that they lost the game for me is the last six shots for Michigan. If I remember correctly, three were layups, one was a jumper, and two were three-pointers. I per- I just didn't like the I just didn't like it. Michigan was down one and had multiple chances to take the lead and they couldn't do it. Neither team shot above 40%. Neither team was good. Michigan, three of 11 from three-point range. UCLA, three of 13. Michigan, six of 11 from, from the charity stripe, which means they should have won the game if they could make their free throws because UCLA was six of seven. But in my mind, towards the end of the game, Michigan blew it. They blew it. And you know, I got to call, I got to call. Michigan was down one and they call up this, with 12 seconds left, they call up this crazy three-pointer. Like, why? You're only down one. Get the ball inside. We fell in love with the three in my mind. Michigan called a timeout, and that's the call they came up with. I just didn't like it. And things happen, right? Hunter Dickinson missed a layup when they were down one. Mike Smith missed a layup when Michigan was down one. Brandon Johns Jr. missed a, sh- a jumper when Michigan was down one. Johnny Juzang, a transfer for Kentucky, had more points individually than the entire UCLA, than the entire, uh, more than half, excuse me, I'm, I'm missing up my whole point. Johnny Juzang had more than half of the points for UCLA. He scored 28, UCLA scored 51. Only one other player scored in double figures. Now, granted, for a Michigan, only one other play, only one player scored in double figures. That's Hunter Dickinson. But this was a defensive clinic put on by UCLA. And I say that to say, in order for UCLA to beat Gonzaga, they're going to have to have an even better game than they did against Michigan. I never expected them to beat Michigan. I didn't, and you didn't either. You didn't either. But Gonzaga, the ESPN Basketball Power Index has Gonzaga uh, winning at a, they have an 89% chance of winning, 90% chance. UCLA may have more titles overall, maybe the more storied program, because Gonzaga doesn't have a title, but I feel like this is Gonzaga's year. Gonzaga, they move great without the ball. Their backdoor cuts and the looks they get are just out of this world. 
A crazy stat that I heard from Jay Bill is Gonzaga in the first 22 minutes of the game, which is one half and then two minutes of the second half, scored more points in the paint against USC than all of the points in the paint combined for all of the opponents this past season for USC. That's how good Gonzaga is inside. They got outside game too. I like to say Timmy time. He and Jalen Suggs. I, I don't I don't see UCLA having a chance to win this game. I don't. Baylor Houston. Now that's a different story. Again, with the ESPN basketball power index, Baylor is predicted to win 52.3% of the time. Eh, I don't know. But also you can look at the point spread. Baylor is favored at minus five. So I expect it, it is going to be a close game, and I expect it to be a close game too. Baylor is long. They are extremely talented. Their last loss was before the tournament to Oklahoma State. Kay Cunningham's going to the NBA, he declared today. Houston has had a tougher time in the tournament compared to Baylor. And I think, if nothing else, who's rooting for Houston outside of Texans and University of Houston fans and family of the players? Because we all want to see Baylor Gonzaga. To win the championship, at least if nothing else, considering that this season is kind of, we'll have an asterisk due to COVID, the playdemic, if you will, as I like to call it. At the very least, if you get the Gonzaga-Baylor matchup, everyone's happy. Of course, that was my final for most of my brackets, except for one where I said Illinois was going to do it and they didn't. I expect Baylor to win. I want Baylor to win. But in order for them to win, they are going to have to not take Houston for granted. Not that we're saying that they will, but it's very important that they not look past them realizing that they are one game away from playing Gonzaga. And I feel like Houston's kind of a forgotten team. Oh, Houston. Oh, yeah, that that team. Uh, Maybe a little bit. But I expect us to get what we all want, which is a Baylor-Gonzaga final. And in that final, I think you will see a point spread inside of 10 points. Maybe opening line somewhere around, I would say four. I was going to say five, just like Houston-Baylor. I'm going to say four. Gonzaga favored minus four. That would be my opening line for that game. And it should be fun. It should be fun. What isn't fun is dealing with the NCAA tournament and the discussion of whether players should or should not get paid. I personally think that players should get paid. There are billions of dollars made by these universities, by the NCAA as a whole, and so players should get paid. But I also recognize that this is not a very easy decision to make. For the ADs and specifically the NCAA president, Mark Emmert. Now, I know he met, you know, there's a report on ESPN. He met with three players that were prominently wearing the hashtag not NCAA property shirts. Michigan's Isaiah Livers, Iowa's Jordan Bohannon, and Rutgers' Geo Baker. I'm glad that he gave the meeting. But in the end, was it a waste of time? As Bohannon says, quote, our meeting was the same thing he's doing in the public. A lot of talk and he's waiting on Congress to decide on legislation, unquote. 
it's an untenable position that I never would expect for there to be an easy resolution. There shouldn't be an easy resolution. This isn't something where, but maybe it is, what they should do is just go back to letting boosters, hey, if you can get the player and the boosters want to pay for it, go right ahead. They can give up cars and all of that stuff because they've been doing it already anyway. And I know that's probably not the best position to take. But it's better than this. The only reason why I say it's better than this because then in some ways, yes, it's the Wild West. I agree it's the Wild West. But every school has the money, the boosters, to decide how much you want to spend to get a player. It's happening now anyway, just under the table. Because it's too complicated of an issue. Should you only pay the revenue generating sports? Which everyone knows the majority of those sports are football and men's basketball. And that's it. Those are the teams that are generating revenue on a scale that can pay everyone. Not just football and basketball. Because if you separated it like that, which you could... I think that would just breed more issues. In my mind, as I was a college student, when I played tennis, Division I athlete, I couldn't have a job due to the time constraints. I guess you could say I could, but didn't want one due to time constraints. But if we're saying they're student athletes and they don't have the time to work, I just think it's just too difficult to decide how much they should get paid. It's just too difficult. And then you find out that this survey that was on ESPN said that ADs uh, say compensating athletes would make it harder to comply with Title IX rules. Why? Because as one AD wrote in this article, quote, sharing revenue with student athletes is not feasible. That only works if universities are then absolved of Title IX requirements. Football revenue supports women's golf, women's tennis, women's softball, women's volleyball, women's soccer, women's track and field on the campus. Women's track and field on the campus. More than 70%, unquote, more than 70% said certain sports would lose funding or be cut altogether if their school offered additional non-scholarship payments to students. That's what I'm talking about. No, it is not a problem that can easily be solved or if you want to solve it. But what are you going to do? The crazy thing is really the only way to do this would be to just open the books, which we know the NCAA isn't going to do. The universities aren't going to do. But on the flip side, they open the books, they say, yeah, every sport is going away except for three sports because we got to pay the players. Think of your son and your daughter out there that want to go and play sports and to think that after high school, they may not be able to play sports if, if the NCAA and the universities have to pay the players. That's why I say boosters. Booster one, go right ahead. You want to put money into it? Go right ahead. That's your own personal money that you're doing to to pay a player. Maybe there's some middle ground where you can set aside some percentage 
or the boosters can say, hey, we're putting 10 million in a pot to go to XYZ and there's a cap. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. There's a cap of what boosters can put into it. But only the boosters can allocate where they want the money. I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it's like there is no right or wrong. There is no easy answer. Because when you understand what sports make money and which ones don't or worse, lose money. You probably lose not just some women's sports, but some men's sports too. Somebody out there who loves bowling and I think like University of Wisconsin as a bowling team. Well, that's out. University of Pittsburgh, after I transferred to University of Pittsburgh, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I still have some eligibility to play tennis. They didn't have a tennis program. Why didn't they have a tennis program? Uh, it didn't generate revenue. They now have one. But back when I went and it was a Big East, they didn't have one. That's what you have to think about. Upper level. U.S. Women's National Team, fighting. they're fighting for equal pay. And it certainly isn't equal play because, hey, let's admit it, the women's... U.S. Women's National Team in soccer outperforms the men's team routinely. So equal pay there, yes. But don't you wonder why pro-women's soccer leagues have failed again and again? Don't you ever think about how women's soccer leagues fail again and again? Yeah, you like Megan Rapinoe in the Olympics, but how many of you went to see her playing as just a professional player in the NWSL. Not many. Not at least enough to the level of MLS. And maybe it will get there. Maybe it will get there. Tennis. There should be a level of equal play. If you both play five, uh, best of five sets, okay, equal pay. But if the women play three sets and the men play five sets, then there shouldn't be equal pay. There should be, I guess, not equal pay. Percentage-wise, you can kind of make it equal pay. But it certainly shouldn't be whoever wins the women's, the U.S. Open on the men's and women's side, both get the same amount of prize money if the men are playing best of five sets and the women are playing best of three sets. To go back to college level, the thing that I didn't like for the NCAA to try to kick the can down the road and say, oh, we're going to let Congress fix this for us. The same players that met with the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, met with Senators Cory Booker, the Democrat from New Jersey, and Richard Blumenthal, the Democrat from Connecticut, after their call with Emmert. And this has gone all the way up to Capitol Hill. But I love what Blumenthal's quote said. Quote, it's a clear sign of a lack of leadership. End quote. He's referring to Emmert, lack of action and how he handled Thursday's meeting and saying, yeah, I heard you. But yeah, let's see what Congress decides to do. The NCAA will get back to us. Senator Blumenthal went on to say, quote, he wants Congress to help him. Well, we're going to help him. We're going to give him help. The help we're going to give him is not help to the NCAA, though. It's help to the athletes, end quote. The players do need someone to represent them, to help them. They don't have a players union. And if Congress is going to do what they can to help them, 
and come up with a plan for all athletes to not have to lose their sports and for revenue generating sports, a percentage of whatever money goes to those players goes to those players and the other percentage still enables the universities to have the other sports and not affect Title IX. I'm all for it. And let's hope we're able to have that. Some sort of resolution by the start of Fall sports. I want to see it. Also want to see, as I mentioned, I was going to talk about, I'll flip the subjects here. NFL, more video review. I don't know about you, but I'm happy about that when I saw that story. Some rule changes may lead to more video review. And I think it's necessary. I think that the... The, the sky judge, so to speak, should be able to help the referees out with making calls. That they can help them determine a possession or a completed or in- intercepted pass. Whether a player's down by contact. In the position of the ball relative to a line or boundary or some of the things that are on the table. If video is available... In the press box that shows a clear and obvious call that should be overturned. If the referee missed a call, I think that's very important. We cannot have the referees costing teams, players, organizations, leagues. Seasons are on the line. Games are on the line. Careers are on the line. And you really just shouldn't have missed calls being the reason a team misses the playoffs or a player doesn't get a bonus. And we're not just talking about players, but employees that work for teams can be affected. The ripple effects of missed calls or bad calls or makeup calls needs to be gone. We need to do away with it. And if that means more video review, I'm in for it. Oh, we can get quicker answers to the video review, but I am in for it. Lastly, yes, today is opening day, the start of baseball. The Blue Jays and Yankees kicked off opening day on ESPN. Tigers, Indians are playing as well. Tigers, remember they got that? They have a new coach. Hmm? You never know. Maybe he can get something out of the Detroit Tigers you didn't expect. It's a possibility. But it was a bummer during opening day to see that the Nats and Mets are not playing. COVID is already, already winning. Already got a hit, scored a run, however you want, whatever kind of baseball team term you want to use in this playdemic. But the Nats home opener versus the Mets has been postponed. And the Red Sox opener versus the Orioles is postponed, but that game is due to rain. But I am excited for baseball to get started. I do think that the bigger issue that probably isn't in my mind talked about enough is the Texas Rangers. 
The Texas Rangers deciding to open up their ballpark to all fans. Even President Joe Biden said it's a mistake. President Biden's quote specifically says, quote, well, that's a decision they made. I think it's a mistake. They should listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the scientists and the experts, but I think it's not responsible, end quote. It makes no sense. If we want this to end and we want fans, including myself, to be able to go back to go to a baseball game and have a a full stadium and really enjoy it, we got to make some sacrifices today. Wear a mask. Hopefully, for those of you who may not have gotten it already, that you'll get a vaccine soon. But it's just, I don't like it. I mean, the Nats, they opened their stadium to 5,000 fans, a 12% capacity, you know, really trying to spread fans out and testing before you go, you know, if you have a temperature and stuff before you go into the stadium, I get that. It's still in some ways, it's a tough decision, just like the NCAA and paying players. What do you do? What do you do? You could say there is no right or wrong, but there is to an extent. And having a full stadium on opening day for the Texas Rangers playing the Kansas City Royals is a mistake. A royal mistake. But it's not the Royals, so that doesn't really work there. I shouldn't say it that way. Just don't like it. I don't like it. It makes me sad. But I got my picks in. I picked the Dodgers as a favorite to win it all. And I got a sleeper. You know who my sleeper is? I picked the Toronto Blue Jays. It's a long shot. That's my real, real long shot. It's a crazy one. Oh, Canada. If you come through, probably not. But I did hedge my bets. Got the Dodgers too. All right. Lastly, I just want to say that I hope you enjoy this Major League Baseball season. Because as the season continues on, the Players Association and the league This is the last year of their CBA. So this could very well be one of, or the last season until maybe 2023 if they can't work some things out. It's always been contentious. I don't want it to be. Can't imagine you would want it to be either. But hopefully they'll get their act together. I mean, heck, everybody thought they weren't going to do the 60 games. They're doing the 60. They did the 60 games. There was some concern if they were going to play 162 and come to some kind of agreement, and they did. So I'm going to try to remain positive and hope that they will sign a new CBA and we will not see a loss in uh, any games of a season. But as I say that, look to the right of me, and I have a commemorative baseball from the 1994 playoffs. I think it was 1994 that they didn't have the playoffs, but they had already made the baseballs. Why? Because they couldn't come up to an agreement between the play association and the league, and they canceled the playoffs that year. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope not. Hope you enjoyed this episode. 
going to be a fun weekend. Get to watch baseball again. It's the final four. We still have basketball. Should be exciting. Thanks for listening. Appreciate the support. Please share the show. Leave a review if you're listening on iTunes. Talk on Monday. Ciao for now.